You've tuned into all things fine and gentry with the connoisseur, French Thompson, where consistently we bring you ideas, concepts, and exposure to thoughtful content, lifestyle enhancements, and opportunities to improve yourself and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and taking a listen to this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to All Things Fine and Gentry. This is the connoisseur, French Thompson, and I'm so happy that you chose to join me today. Um, I'm just going to hop right into it. You know we are in the middle of our Superwoman series. I'm excited about this episode, as I am every week, but this one is super, super uh, exciting. But before we dig into that, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. As the intro said, this is uh, all things fine and gentry. This is the connoisseur French Thompson. This is just a place where we talk about things, experiences, ideas, concepts that help to uh, enhance us, allow for us to live a more fine and gentry life. Uh, and to those that are returning listeners, the connoisseurs, thank you all so much for listening week in and week out and being able to share this with your friends, family, uh, on social, whichever way that you do, it helps to uh, get the word out and uh, aid in the conversation. And so collectively, this is your first or 34th time listening. We ask that you will uh, share, like uh, the new thing on Apple now is not subscribe. It is follow. So please make sure you follow the uh, the, the show on uh, if you are an Apple user and for Android and other folks, I don't know what you do over there, but apparently there's a way that you can listen on that side. I'm just joking. It's in the Google Play Store. It's in Spotify. It's on Stitcher. Uh, it's it's all over the place. So uh, make sure you connect with it. So, like I said, we're in the middle of our Superwoman series where uh, if this is your first time listening. Uh, please take the time to go back and listen to the previous episodes because uh, there's just really good uh, content from some dynamic women who I've been blessed to be able to get to know. And uh, it's great to hear their stories and how they are putting on that superwoman cape every single day. But today, today I have uh, the the super special woman in my life, my mother, Linda Thompson. So, mom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Looking forward to sharing and talking with the your constituents as well as just sharing time with you. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Well, thank you. So a disclaimer here, um, along the way, you all may hear her refer to me as Trey. I am French Thompson III, but my nickname growing up had, was Trey. Uh, I guess not was, still is Trey. So if you hear that, she's not talking about another uh, sibling that I have. It's me. Um, so um, I just want to throw that out there. So Mom, as we we start the podcast, and I know that you're a longtime listener, appreciate it. Longtime listener, first time contributor. That's what they say on a lot of these things. Um, so I, I know you listen, but essentially the way that we kick this thing off is kind of introduction. And we're really going to dig into your, you know, your, your life here. Uh, so just kind of where you're from, uh, where you are now and uh, and what you do now. Well, thank you. And um, first of all, I am an Oklahoma City born and raised uh, there through high school, left there, went off to college to Lincoln University of Missouri, 
have to make that distinction because there's also a Lincoln University of Pennsylvania, but Lincoln mm -hmm. University of Missouri uh, was called at one time the Harvard of the Midwest. Oh. Uh, mm. There. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very proud of my Lincoln. Uh, from there, uh, we moved to the D.C. area, was there for over 30 years. See, how old are you? 37. 37. When we were there, we moved there when you were one years old. And we left there three years ago, so that would make it about 34 years. And from there, we moved to Fort Worth, Texas, where we've been here for about almost four years. It'll be four years in uh, September. Time flies. Yes, it does. And so now I am a retiree from the U.S. government, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, Office of Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity. And now I'm retired and learning how to be retired. And mm -hmm. uh, as I was uh, talking with you earlier, trying to slow down. But once uh, you've kind of been on this treadmill for a while, it's, it's very hard to just stop yeah. and not do anything. So now I'm into uh, my fifth, sixth, or seventh career, whichever way you want to look at it, but uh, at a slower pace, at my pace. And but uh, looking forward to getting into things that I have a passion for. That's good. So that's where we are so far. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, because that, that helps to frame the conversation because we're going to kind of dig into those different facets of, of your life and uh, how you've uh, managed to to uh, carry your superwoman cape for all those years. So you spoke about Oklahoma City. I grew up in Oklahoma City and, you know, obviously years ago, it's different than it is now. There was no Oklahoma City thunder. There was no brick town uh, in the way that it is now. Oil and gas was there, but you don't have Devon Energy Tower and all those things that were there. But uh, essentially, you grew up in Oklahoma City and you had multiple siblings, all brothers. Um, your father was a preacher, et cetera. Kind of just share, you know, how you... First of all, you know, your your dynamic with your brothers, but then more specifically, kind of how your your mom and your dad impacted your um, view of womanhood, motherhood, kind of, you know, uh, pursuing passion, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. Well, uh, interesting enough, um, I did think about how my parents impacted on my life. As, as you mentioned earlier, um, I had five brothers. Mm -hmm. and I was in the middle. So what I always describe myself is that either I was fighting or I was defending. Mm -hmm. So um, with the older brothers, I was fighting for my place on the pecking order. And on the younger brothers, I was teaching them how to peck. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say that um, early in life, I kind of learned how to uh, look at a situation and figure out what's the best approach it would be for me. Mm. Uh, being the only girl, uh, I learned to be more of a, a tomboy uh, because uh, that basically that was my world, my five brothers. Um, either was trying to keep up with them or just trying to be as mean and as bad as they were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, um, 
why Otis, my brother over me, um, felt that I was a good contender for any little boy in the neighborhood. <laughs> so he would recruit kids for me to beat up. <laughs> and he would bring them home and say, my little sister can beat you up and would bring them home. And in most cases, yes, I did. I beat them up. <laughs> Sent them home with bloody nose and stuff. Uh, then my career was abruptly halted when he brought home somebody for me to beat up, but he brought uh, a pencil oh. and uh, he used that as a weapon and it just hit me just above my eye. Uh, and uh, I guess my mother at that point found out what he was doing. And that was the end of my fighting. That was the end of my fighting. And then I became a, 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 a runner. I can outrun anybody and everybody. And uh, was looking at really trying to make a career out of being a runner. The same brother uh, was uh, decided that he would, would end my uh, career as a runner uh, by injuring my ankle. And it took me a year to recruit from that. So my running uh, <laughs> career came to an end. So physical activities didn't seem to uh, work on uh, my behalf. So I decided to dig deep into books Got it. and to learn how to uh, read and, and became a, uh, I would say, a, a very proficient uh, violinist. Mm. Uh, started in the third grade and, and took that career all the way through high school. Uh, was a part of the All City, Oklahoma City All City Youth Orchestra, first seat, second string, for those who know something about orchestra. And, uh, but by the time I was done with high school, I was tired of carrying around that violin case and uh, did not pick it up when I went off to school. So, so, um, so, question. Um, yeah. Very interesting upbringing. You ran a fight club and, uh, <laughs> And things like that. So, your your mom, right? What? How, how did how does she balance um, raising uh, a a clan of boys and one girl, right? How how was that balance in being able to support their um, rough and toughness? Because I've I've known stories of you've told me before of you guys doing all types of stuff, right? Um, versus trying to help you, uh, you know, grow into womanhood. How, how did you feel that she did that balance, if she did at all? Well, uh, that's, that's a very interesting question. And, and my response will be one that um, you may take a pause to. My mother's put a lot of energy into her boy. Mm. To her men, growing them, putting, making sure that they were strong black men were uh, very important to her. Yeah. Uh, I think she felt that I was going to fall into the traditional, uh, you know, get married, have kids, and run a household. Uh, and so um, because of the energies that she put forth in her sons, which were five of them, I more or less developed a, a decision on my own that, you know, I was going to define my own destiny. Mm. And so um, early on, and I would say it was probably more defined in high school, that's when I pretty much decided that I did not want to, to just follow the trend of, uh, of womanhood as far as being a homemaker. 
Hmm. My mom was a homemaker. She uh, did not really work. She worked in the evenings with my dad to clean buildings, to kind of add money to the um, fund, household fund. But my father had a government job, hmm. and uh, therefore he was making adequate money, but not really enough to make ends meet. So they had a second uh, business or part-time work uh, in cleaning buildings. Hmm. Um, and so uh, that was something that, you know, I would, would uh, be a part of uh, when I got older. But um, because she was a homemaker, she, she basically did the homemaking type of thing, make, making sure the house was clean, making sure dinner was done, making sure, you know, ironing and uh, all those things that a homemaker would do. I didn't find that quite interesting. Yeah. And so I decided that if I was going to make uh, my mark in the world, I was going to have to be my own cheerleader. Do, 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 you, so, do you feel that that was a, a common challenge for uh, women baby boomers, right, who uh, essentially, you know, had to make a choice of either I'm going to, um, I don't call it strike out on my own, but per- pursue uh, an actual career or an actual um, lifestyle defined by by self versus going the the homemaker path that you know they're you know the call it the greatest generation that's what they were the greatest generation kind of outlined um, is that something that you felt that was common amongst your social group or was it something that you even felt that it was going against the grain of call it the the ladies that you 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 know rolled with in in high school and such i think that as baby boomers um being raised by the greatest generation which had the mindset of if you just get through high school you were doing good Mm. get a cleric learn how to type so that you can get you some type of clerical position and that would be you know called you successfully has been accomplished in life. But I would say that there were some who, who followed that trend. Right. And then there were more, I think more who did not follow that trend. We were the ones that really embraced going to colleges, mm-hmm. um, embraced uh, getting a career um, of our own um, and managing our own affairs. More so a lot of teachers, women became teachers. Mm-hmm out of that particular trend, uh, Lincoln University was big on uh, their education department, teaching you how to be a teacher, as well as their nursing department, teaching Mm -hmm. you how to be a nurse. Still more so tied to, you know, helping families, helping your community, things like that. So, yeah, um, we, I think we had to, uh, we grew up through the civil rights period. Right, we were right. in the 70s. So we grew up uh, with a different mindset of uh, what we wanted out of life. And that was more of opportunities of what the uh, the world had to offer. And so we struck out uh, with a de- determination that, yes, uh, we can yeah. do more. Uh, and I felt that I could do more. A lot of my cousins uh, became teachers. Mm. Uh, that was not something I felt was a calling. 
for me. Uh, didn't know quite what I wanted to do. That was going to be my next question. I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Didn't know quite what I wanted to do, but counselors basically were, you know, kind of directing you to become a teacher. Mm. Um, since I was pretty good in most courses uh, at high school, I was a straight A student throughout high school. Um, I could do basically any area, uh, science, math, uh, English, all of those things kind of came easy for me. And so I really didn't have someone to really talk to me about career opportunity. Mm. But I did know teaching was not going to be it. I went on and measured in English. Um, And uh, to to this day, I still wonder why I did that. (laughs) And and, and it's because I I was comfortable with English. Wow. And so I I did go on and measure and got a BA in English uh, from Lincoln. But my aspirations, I thought I wanted to be uh, public relations. Got it. Okay. I wanted to go into public relations, a marketing, and I made some strides to do that, but it didn't turn out that way. Uh, but my career path was still one of a very interesting track. Um, how it all kind of folded together was just really by divine intervention. So, so let's let's let's, let's, let's kind of pause there, right? So, you, you said mm-hmm. something very interesting, and. Um, I want to kind of revisit that theme across as we keep talking here, but you said you did what was comfortable. And I've always, it was interesting to me is that I don't necessarily view from obviously from what I know of you as my mom, right? Half of your life. I don't necessarily see you have taken the comfortable route most of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. so that that's interesting that when you, you know, have talked about your career choice, that that is something that, you know, you had essentially, well, not career choice, your, 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 uh, education choice that you, you did something that you were comfortable with. And so I guess kind of where you were about to go when you started to go down that path of, all right, I've, I've graduated and, you know, got your first job. Do you feel that that is when you decided to not go with comfort anymore and, and, you know, uh, hop out? So, so let's kind of talk about what you did immediately after school and then what brought you to DC when I was one. And then kind of in that same vein, I'll, I'll revisit the question about, you know, did, was that at that moment you decided I can't be comfortable anymore? Okay. Um, Clearly, life has its way of um, giving you opportunities. Yeah. And so um, I look at uh, opportunities as a means of seeing just how much I can do rather than what I can't do. So my first real job after graduating from college was to um, was working at the local um, TV station. Mm there in uh, Jefferson City. We stayed there, and I say we, I'm talking about your father and I, mm-hmm. uh, got married, and we stayed in Jefferson City for a few years. But I started off, my real job was at the KRCG-TV in Jefferson City, Missouri. Yeah, you still remember, as the huh? Constant, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> As the uh, continuity coordinator. And I got that job uh, because of my English major. Mm. Uh, continuity coordinators had to kind of keep the flow of the broadcast going throughout the day. There's always a little segment of time where you either might hear, and I don't hear it too much nowadays, but you might hear something like you're listening to KRCG, you're tuned in to KRCG TV, or the next thing coming up will be something, something. Well, those are what we call continuity coordinators, uh, would be to make sure that every second of the day was, was covered. Mm. And so my job was to take the script of the day that um, we're going to follow, meaning news, TV shows, and things, and wherever there was a 30, or no, not 30 seconds, wherever there was a five, five seconds or less that we need a filler in, it was my job to decide what was going to go into those. Interesting. A little filler. Yeah, it was very interesting. And interesting enough, also uh, being the only one of us uh, there in the office and probably the very first one of us that was in that office. And when she refers to us, you're talking about an African-American. Exactly. Yeah. If, yes. If you know anything about Jefferson City, Missouri, it is a a, a small city for it to be the capital of Missouri. Mm-hmm. And basically, the, the, the mass of uh, African Americans there were because of Lincoln University. Mm. And so uh, that was the, the way that whenever you got a job anywhere in and around, you typically were the first or or the, or the only one there at any particular time. But in any case, um, I was able to excel there at the TV station and became uh, a manager hmm. over the uh, staff and special assistant to the general manager. Nice. And so um, that experience actually prompted me or qualified me to make my major career move to Washington, D.C., when I applied and successfully became uh, the first executive director, because previous to that, they were called executive secretaries. But these first executive directors, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority National Headquarters. What, 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 made you, uh, what, what made you apply to that, right? I mean, you're, you're sitting in Jefferson City. You're on a seemingly successful career path. You have a three-year-old daughter, a one-year-old son, or barely one-year-old son. I mean, why? Well, when uh, da- your dad and I were planning our lives, one of the things that I wanted to do was to have my children first mm. and then build my career. Mm. So Jefferson City was a good place to start a family. So once you came along, we were actively looking at where our next step was going to be. We were looking at Denver. We were looking at Kansas City. We were looking at Atlanta. Hmm. So when the position for uh, the the executive director was being um, offered, it fell into our timeline of it was time to leave Jefferson City. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So that's what prompted me uh, after much prayer, of course, we decided let's see if I would be successful in my application. But because of the experience that I had at the TV station, uh, you know, working with 
the staff um, there um, and being a special assistant to the general manager um, had given me the type of experience that they were looking for uh, as far as a manager uh, and being able to do multiple things. So that is how we ended up in Washington, D.C. Nice. So you, so you get the D.C., you are, you know, obviously, I know that's a culture shock in itself, right? And we won't, because moving from Oklahoma City, from, you know, Jefferson City to, you know, the big city, D.C. But I, I'm curious about when you were at Zeta, right? You, you were there for 10 years. What do you feel was kind of the, the biggest takeaways you got from there, right? You're around dynamic women, who, you know, leaders of your sorority, as well as up and down the street from the other headquarters for all the other, um, you know, sororities and fraternities uh, and on Embassy Row in D.C., right? You're just you're, you're surrounded by all of this, right? How, how did that, I would say, impact you? on your perspective of womanhood, of motherhood, of ambition, especially as we talked about earlier in the podcast, that your your mom was really focused on a male-centric uh, uh, type of environment. How, how, did, how did that juxtaposition of the way that you were raised versus now what you see in D.C., how, how did that impact you? Well, uh Clearly, uh, you used the word culture shock uh, earlier. Um, you know, you think that you're prepared for certain things mm. and you go with open eyes and, and uh, hope that, you know, you have all of the, the skill sets needed. But uh, that position uh, really expanded me um, um, to, to really discover who I was. Mm. Uh, being able, because of a young family, like you say, you were just barely one, and Emerald, your sister, was three. <clears throat> Moving into a, a major city with a major position that had national exposure, um, I really had to learn myself of my capabilities to manage a major position like that. Right. Um, a lot of a lot of you know ups and downs, peaks and valleys, but kept on trudging to understand what I was capable of doing, and uh, rightfully so, very pleased with the fact that I was able to overcome a lot of obstacles um, that were in my path. But when I say obstacles, I'm, I'm saying um, there were there were multiple things that um, I was with and you know love my sorority but when you get into the the inner circle there's <laughs> it is more than just sisterly love it is a, <laughs> it's politics it is uh influence and and it is um uh, a place where you have to have a, a backbone to work with multi-levels of membership on the national level, regional level, state, and local level. So uh, it was a quick learn for me. Yeah. Uh, even though I was active in the local area, you know, particularly on the state level and, and some regional exposure, uh, national exposure, I really had to learn quick 
uh, and learn a lot about myself as far as uh, management, as far as stress level, as far as um, you know, managing multiple priorities, maintaining a home, yeah. um, getting you know used to the new culture that we were in. And yes, it was not easy. Yeah, I'll never say it was easy. It was not easy, but it built in me uh, the strength. Uh, that I needed, that I could do whatever I needed to do uh, as long as I knew that, you know, I had God on my side and, you know, working through the, the dynamics of all of that. But out of that, I became a stronger person, a better person, a more um, a leader. Yeah. Uh, I became uh, one who was not afraid to take risks. Uh, and I looked at life more as an adventure. To say, well, well, let's see what else we can do. Let's see, we, you know, being able to explore uh, introducing new innovative approaches to the sorority and fairly successful in, in those endeavors. So, um, you know, I learned how to fly. That's good. I, that's actually, that's, that's pretty good. So, so question, right? Because uh, the, the, the primary audience, listening audience that we have on here demographic wise is, you know, obviously folks that are my age and younger. And obviously during the Superwoman series, you know, we've been highlighting a lot of, uh, of, of young women who are who are doing things and are in that first 10, 15 years of their career. Right. And they're all, you know, young moms and or, you know, single women that are pursuing a career that are, again, same thing you talked about as far as building yourself the foundation and learning to fly. How did you, you know, effectively kind of balance this out uh, with the other uh, priorities that you had in your life or even the uh, external influence of what um, would be to your mom or, uh, you know, other women in your life that, um, that might have had expectations on you. So like specifically, so you were at Zeta for, for 10 years. So, you know, Emerald, my sister, you know, would have been 13 by the time you were done with it um, and moved on to your next career. I was, you know, roughly 11. Um, and I mean, I remember, I, we, we joke about it all the time, but I remember literally being raised in, you know, at headquarters, right? That we just spent, we spent most of our time there. I mean, literally people say, hey, where did you grow up? 1734 New Hampshire Avenue Northwest, right? It, that that was my address because that's you know yeah. that that's where it was. We went to elementary school around there, right? Our after school yeah, programs were there. Dupont Circle, Logan yeah. Circle, like le- legitimately, we did that. How did how did you uh, work within yourself, within your own expectations, within your own desires to say, "Hey, I have this career that I am." <clears throat> literally elevating the position that I'm in, right? You, you've, like you said, it was, you know, before it's kind of an executive secretary, but you took it to an executive director equivalent to running a nationwide nonprofit, right? To, you know, you traveled all the time. I think I got my travel bug from that, right? I literally remember just going to DCA before there was a terminal BNC, right? And it's literally mm-hmm. just one terminal, you know, doing all those types of things. How did you really kind of balance that against your own expectations of motherhood, uh, uh, wifehood, I don't think that's a word, but being a, being a wife, um, 
versus balancing your career path and knowing that, hey, I'm I'm flying and I'm you know, literally and figuratively and, and trying to take that. I'm curious on how you work through that in your mind. Right. And um, and actually, there was not a roadmap for me to follow. There isn't a roadmap at so, all. Right. Yeah. Never a roadmap. So you're, you're literally making it up as you go. Yeah. Um, had to look at the kind of support system was in place for us. And as you know, we did not have a support system in place, mm-hmm. meaning we did not have family there. We did not have um, long-term relationships there. We were, we were just pioneers yeah. uh, going in there to see exactly um, how we were going to make this happen. A, a support system was us. Yeah. Uh, your father and I and you and Emerald. Uh, but our desire for you and Emerald to have a better life and perspective on what you're capable of doing required us to move out of that, that comfort zone of Jefferson City um, to the reality of life uh, in a mega city like Washington, D.C. Yeah. So as I was learning... Um, different things and, and different skill sets. Uh, I was intentional, and I'll use that word intentional. I was intentional on exposing you and your sister to as many things that I was being exposed to so that you too would um, grow in the curiosity of what life has to offer. Right. And so... You know, we we did everything as a unit, and um, whatever you and Emerald got into, it became the family venture. Right. Uh, we we encouraged you all to be leaders, and and I can remember one time I was around a dinner table, and I looked at each of you, and I said, "We're raising you to be leaders." You are to grow up and you to be leaders in whatever areas of life that you find yourself in. And I remember you all kind of looking around, you know, at each other, but no, we're raising you to be leaders. And I, I can remember, particularly with you, Trey, um, that uh, you were given opportunities to go to, um, you know, the gifted and talented program which meant that they took you out of your neighborhood schools mm-hmm. to others. Uh, but I think, you know, in my feeling as a mother, um, my responsibility. I just want y'all to know my parents still have a landline in their house, which is just doesn't, just doesn't, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it, but you know, we'll just, you'll just keep going from well, there. <laughs> yes, we do have a landline. <laughs> Uh, and we will always have a little <laughs> uh, But, you know, my our role as parents was to give you every opportunity that was afforded. Right. And so, uh, yes, you know, you were taken out of your, you know, middle school and high school. You went to talented and gift program or TAG is what they call it back in D.C., because we wanted you to have an opportunity to explore your skills and to take you wherever life would take you. We, we kind of gave you a guide uh, early on. We, we planted a seed um, because we observed that you were very tedious in, in working with your Legos. 
and you spend a lot of time building these intricate things at a young age. And we took an interest in that and looked at uh, engineering for you, right? Uh, particularly architectural engineering. And we looked at every opportunity that would feed into that interest that you have. Same thing with your sister. Um, she was one that was a debater, uh, uh, looking critical thinking was strong uh, for her. And we said, okay, then, you know, maybe somewhere in the area of legal or, or lawyer may be what we can kind of direct you towards, but what direction you take is, is up to you. Right. And so we use, I use every opportunity within uh, uh, programs or, or events that I was invited to as the director or the executive director to bring you all along so that you will be exposed to uh, major banquets and how you are to carry yourself when we sit down with a formal setting right. and you how to interact with people that you don't know, uh, but this is, will be a part of the protocol teaching you how to dress the part and to do not be afraid to speak up. And we spend a lot of time in church, if you remember. Yep. Uh, church activities where we pushed you all to be a part of, of various programs that to bring some exposure to you um, that are things that you may not have thought of, but you can be exposed to it to see if there's something that you would enjoy doing. So we explored uh, a lot uh, as a family, and we always were going someplace to, to see something. Your dad would take you to the White House Easter egg hunt. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can have those experiences and things so, like that. So, so I, have, I, have a, I, I have a question. I'm going to challenge you on this, right? So okay. how did you, like you said, you, you, we did everything as a, you know, we did a lot of stuff as a family. We did, you know, these things, but, but during this process, you're being exposed, right? You are being, um, enlightened along the way. Did you eventually along this way say, look, I, I mean, I know that, that you all developed some really good, uh, you know, friendships, right? Because we, we started with, you know, as pioneers, we didn't have family, the closest family was several hours away. Um, I mean, I know that you all started to develop some really strong, you know, friendships with other couples, especially at church and things like that. As you've navigated, right? Um, how, how have you continued to evolve or even during this period? Because you talked about church and I want to kind of get into your second and third careers, what I call them. How how did you navigate and say, I still need to grow as a person, right? I still need to grow into who Linda Thompson is while also focusing on ensuring that, you know, the family unit is, is doing what needs to be done, right? Because what I, what I don't want some people to hear through, you know, your, your story is, all right, um, she, you know, although she was pursuing her career, she focused everything, you know, right back onto the kids. There, there's still a lot of personal development and growth and, uh, and, and, um, what I want to call it, uh, uh evolution, uh, that, that happened for you as you continue to, to 
you know, figure out what you want to do because you, you, even though your career paths have been somewhat similar in the theme of helping others, they're, they're very different. And, um, you know, how did you kind of evolve in this time to say, okay, I've, I've run my tenure at Zeta. I'm ready to do something else, but there had to be, have been something even in you as far as what you started to realize, what you wanted, what you what type of desires you had to grow your own self. And I'm just curious how, you know, through the decades you, you've been able to, to do that. Is it uh, mentorship? Was it, you know, certain women that you, you looked up to, or is it your uh, social circle? How, how did you continue to grow yourself as a woman uh, in, in this time frame of raising kids and, and, and managing your career and everything like that? Okay, that's a very complex question. Let me see if I can kind of break that down. And that's um, why you're on the Superwoman series. <laughs> One thing I learned early is that you have to self-develop. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to take the, your, you have to take opportunities as they present themselves. Right. So, um, let's just use data because that's a, that's a good foundation for me uh, to discover skill set and uh, opportunities that came with that. Um, while in data, uh, you know, I was pretty much responsible for putting on the national, what we call the boule, but there's national conventions every year. So I, I decided that since that was going to be one of my major responsibilities, I needed to become more proficient as a meeting planner. Hmm. It's called meeting professionals now, but back then it was called meeting planners. And so as with, with the responsibility of that, I, I really did go to school or training classes to become better equipped to be a meeting professional meeting planner. Um, because uh, Zeta required also that you understood the business aspect of operating an organization. I used that time to go and get my master's in business administration right. so that I could be better prepared to be able to do the kind of work that being uh, a business manager of that organization, fiscal responsibilities that came with that. Um, because um, managing people is not something that uh, you wake up one day and decide I'm going to manage a, a team. I had to learn um, by going to special classes on how to be a manager, an effective manager, and how to communicate and how to do project management. So whatever position, uh, profession that I'm in, there's an area where um, their expectation is for me to be proficient in, I would take the opportunity to get the kind of training so that I could do the work that needed to be done or was expected of me to be uh, to do. So that started me on um, what I call nothing ventured, nothing gained. Mm. That's my motto. Uh, and that really said to myself that I can do anything I put my mind to. That's good. And I started to, to, to just looking at, well, let's see what, what this is all about. And, and what, let me see what that's all about. You know, I even became proficient as a grant writer. Right. 
because uh, when I got into my second career, which you'd like to, to um, talk about, which is when I became the church administrator mm-hmm. after leaving Zeta and exploring that, uh, the grant right, right became something that I needed to know more about. Um, there's little exposure at Zeta, uh, but not as direct. And so I became more proficient as far as learning how to write grants and, and understanding proposals and how to put together a winning package. Um, of so, course, uh, speaking. So, yeah. so, so this, this is good. I'm still going, I'm keep pushing you, mom. This is all good, uh-huh. right? This is, this is the technical professional side of it, right? Um, right. How, how, how did you feel that you continue to become more proficient in, and not only the career side, but also balancing out the mom side, right? How did you kind of focus yourself and say, this is what I want to do? And I also have this question. How did your relationship with your mom evolve during this process, right? So for her to have an expectation of you to be a certain thing, right? Um, and for her to see you literally go off and grow and have national roles and be impactful and do all these things. Um, How did that, how did your relationship with your mom evolve as she saw you essentially go do these things that were, you know, not even potentially in her realm of, of expectation? Well, um, that's, that's a very good question, Trey. And, um, I don't think my mom really clearly understood what I was doing or my capabilities. Mm. Um, I don't think even to, to the point before she, you know, became, you know, um, um, diagnosed with the, the, the dementia and everything like that, but that she really truly understood the, 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 the depth of, of my, um, progression. Yeah. Um, and so, I never allowed my mother's expectations of me to define where I was going to be in life. Um, as I said earlier on, uh, I discovered that what I was going to achieve is going to have to be on me. Yeah. And I think my, my first impact of that is that my mother never learned to drive. Mm. And it was not expected that I would be, you know, driving. Um, the boys was going to learn how to drive. So I decided that I would teach myself. Yeah. So I started getting dad's car and just driving around the block, <laughs> just driving around the block, you know, just driving around the block. And, uh, there, there goes, sorry that. About that. there goes that landline again, guys. I love it. I love sorry it. About that. Sorry about that. <laughs> and so, I never learned how to parallel park because no one was teaching me. Mm-hmm. But I, I determined I went to the driving class and took the written test and passed that. And I came home and I drove a little bit more, drove a little bit more until I decided I was ready to take the driving test. And I took the driving test and, of course, flunked the parallel park because <laughs> I never knew how to parallel park. But I got my driver's license. So. <laughs> And then learn how to drive, okay? Uh, but but I said that to say uh, that 
I, I found out within myself that if I was going to um, if I was going to to do something or to to accomplish something, I had to I had to encourage myself. All right, I'm apologizing. So, and I don't know if we've really had this conversation before, maybe in, in different pieces. So, yes, mm-hmm. you, you came to that realization you had to do these things for yourself, right? And kind of be self-motivating and, and self-encouraging. Um, did you feel any type of way about your mom not embracing kind of what you were doing or even understanding, you know, the accomplishments that you've been able to make? Um, I'm, I'm just curious about that. Like, I mean, cause, cause I, I, know, I know you as a mom, you've always kind of been like, Hey, just go, go do, go do. Right. And obviously as a part of this conversation, you're seeing, right. Because it's, it's the way that you, you encouraged yourself, you grew yourself, you helped yourself get there. Um, I, I'm, you know, cause this is going to, you know, air essentially the day after mother's day. And that's part of the reason why I want to interview you for this, uh, th- this week's episode. Um, but I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, did, was that additional fuel for you to continue to pursue so that you can continue to, to, um, go against the, the, the expectation or lack of expectation that your mom had? Uh, and did you find other women that you could, celebrate your wins with um since your mom you know didn't necessarily understand uh kind of what what you were doing uh yes uh role models were very key in my uh, development mm-hmm. um uh, particularly uh within zeta there were uh, several um strong black women leaders uh, particularly the national president, the one in particular um, that you probably know more about it, that would be Eunice Thomas, mm-hmm. who I considered her to be my big sister. You know, if yeah. I was going to have a big sister, that would have been my big sister because she did um, mentor me. Yeah, uh, She did uh, challenge me. She did expose me. She did invest in me. And uh, and, and I would say that that's key to uh, any person, particularly a woman, that you have a, a mentor. You have someone who see more in you than probably I saw in you. Yeah. Uh, and encouraged me beyond what I thought I was capable of doing, exposing me um, on a national level with national leaders, you know, to the White House, to the Congress, to national organizations, um, you know, face-to-face with Dorothy Height, having conversations with her and mm. women of her, of her statue uh, were a common theme during those 10 years because I was the, you know, because I was based in D.C. and a lot of things were happening in D.C., I would represent the organization. Uh, but Eunice was probably the biggest factor that... Uh, that where I was able to block. Yeah. Where I was able to really decide, as I said earlier, I can do anything. Yeah. And I can meet any challenge. And I, if I don't know the answer, I could certainly learn or I would, 
or I knew how to associate myself with individuals who did. Yeah. And, and glean from their experiences and, and, and their uh, coaching, uh, their encouragement. Um, and and as, a, as an African-American uh, woman, uh, it's e- equally more important that we work together. And I'm saying we, I'm talking about women. Mm-hmm. Together for the common good. Because where I achieve, it makes it easier for the next person to achieve. So because of my mom's low expectations, and that's only because of, uh, it was only because of, of her limited uh, exposure view, yeah. exposure for herself mm. uh, or what limitations she put on herself. Uh, uh, I did not want to, to become my mom. So how how big of a motivator, right? If you you were to say motivating factors in your life uh, on a scale of one to 10, um, how big of that do you feel that was a motivator for you, um, the way that your mom raised you? I would say that was probably a 10, Trey. Uh, I would say that that because I had to reach within to become uh, what God had intended for me to be. Um, and I'm not saying that I grew up in, in a terrible house. Right, 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 right. No, I mean, and, 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 and that's why that's why I started by saying, you know, did you feel that this was something similar that a lot of women uh, of your age, women baby boomers, you know, experience, right? Because I, I, I would not be surprised if, several of the listeners on here would have a conversation with their mom, right? And ask, hey, tell me about how your mom, you know, encouraged or, you know, did certain things for you. And and, and I'm sure that, that the experience might be fairly similar to where people that the exposure and the expectation was low, not because they thought less of you. It's just because they just didn't know anything else, right? Whereas now, for for you all raising, you know, the Gen X's, Gen, you know, the millennials, uh, you know, that that came came into age in the 80s and things like that in the 90s. Right. There was this expectation for us that it was a, a two parent household, two parents or professionals out here doing things right. It, there was no it was, you know, for I, I, at least I know for my social circle and people that I, I grew up with. It was kind of like it was the expectation of, oh, everybody's going to college, right? Everybody's doing this type of thing. Everybody's pursuing a career, you know. Therefore, so it it is a, um, it it builds on each other. So yeah, I mean, you had a loving household, you know, mom, dad, siblings, you know, family very close and everything like that. But I think it's important to, for us to understand, kind of like you know the the motivating factors for us to to. Uh, to grow, to pursue and do different things. And, I, and it's, you know, it's interesting for me to kind of hear your story and how you've leveraged that uh, background to be, um, to be successful and pursue the life that you, that you did. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, um, definitely that did have a lot to do with it. Probably subconsciously, Trey, I wanted to do, I wanted to be 
very successful. I wanted to, to uh, of course, have my, my mother in particular uh, proud of my accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, to be quite truthful, my accomplishment outshined my brother. Yeah. Yeah. Say, um, um, I pro- I'm probably the most progressive of my family unit. Yeah. Um, for, you know, traveled, more exposed, but that's because I took advantage of opportunities to pay. But, you know, now that I've retired, and, and, and as you know, managing caregiving uh, responsibility, caregivers responsibilities now, um, I'm, the, I'm the better equipped one to manage this. Yeah. Uh, because I understand, you know, the complexity of government because I worked for the government for many years. Right. I understand the ins and outs of, of um, you know, trying to find where the services are. They're there, but it's like a, a, a puzzle piece to find those kind of things. But in all in all, because of the, the push of myself to you know, make my parents, uh, and particularly my mom, proud of me, it it um, in some ways uh, may call, uh, and I'll just say it, you know, some friction yeah. uh, with my brothers along the way. But now we're in better, you know, now that we're all old and retired, we're we're, be- we're probably in a better relationship than we've ever been. Yeah, uh, all our lives because um, you know a perception uh, that my brothers had, um, you know, of of me. Uh, in our family, because we always seem to be always going and doing and all those kind of things, whereas they were not afforded those opportunities. And I won't say that they weren't afforded. They didn't. Maybe they just didn't take advantage, take advantage of, of opportunities. This is good. This is good. All right. So so from a uh, from, from a, a, a superwoman perspective, right, because obviously you're a superwoman, superwoman in my life, right? You birthed me. Um, I mean, that's that that enough. Right. Is superwoman. Um, but, you know, just 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 curious on on a few things here and then we'll 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 let you go. Um, what women I mean, so you talked about women that were influential in your life? Um, you know, what women do you feel that are still influences on you now and why? Maybe there's one or two that you may you know think about. Um, and, and, and why, you know, you, you feel that there's a, you know, influence or, um, you know, or even, you know, those beyond uh, uh, Eunice uh, that, that dropped a, a significant nugget in your life that helped to prepare you to where you are. Okay, well, let me tell you, after Eunice, uh, there were very you hmm. um you know how how you heard it, the the term uh you were a godsend hmm. uh Eunice was a godsend yeah. me. and um what i learned from her was to be your own woman hmm. manage your own money plan your own career <laughs> do what's best for your family but what's better for yourself yeah and so uh, with those nuggets that I got from, from, from uh, Eunice, um, I imparted that into others. Yeah. 
That's good. Uh, and so I became, you know, her voice to to share that because that was important for women to understand it was okay to have your own money. Yeah. Uh, you're going to take care of your family, but have your own money to do what you want to do with. Yeah. Um, it's okay to um, have a career. But if your career takes you to our, uh, you know, beyond your dreams, don't be afraid of it. Follow yeah. your dreams, follow that career. That's good. Um, and, uh, you know, respect your husband. Uh, you know, he is the head of the household. There was never, you know, any uh, competition in that area, but that we were also a team and, and, and a, a team worked together and learning how to work together uh, with not only your husband, but with people yeah. in life. Everyone has something that can offer you. Uh, some are big, some are small nuggets, but um, don't allow other people's uh, perspective to define who you are. Um, when I worked at the government um, for, for HUD for those many years, uh, you know, the government is very structured, yeah. very slow to move and, and, and people kind of get into a rut, uh, particularly that, you know, people always say, you know, those government workers. <laughs> and I determined, and I determined when I went to work for the government that I was not going to be a typical government worker. Right. Uh, just doing what I need to do to get by. But because I felt that I was blessed to be there. I wanted to always do my best effort. And, and so um, that allowed me uh, to grow yeah. and to, uh, to expand even within the government ranks uh, to positions that I never dreamt that I would be in. But it's because I never knew that there was an, um, there was, a, I want to say that there was not, anything in my purview to tell me that I could not do. Mm. So, so you, you, ne you never so felt I, that there was a, the proverbial glass ceiling that was stopping you from being able to. No, no. And, and this is my secret. Um, uh, Trey <laughs> um, is that in anything that I do small or large, I was doing it for the Lord. That's good. So I work as if I was working to please him. Mm and not to please man. And that has always been my, um, my, my compass. Uh, whatever position I was aspiring to be, I started acting like I was in that position That's good. before I got it. And so I would dress the part, I would act the part, and I would do the part so that people would see me not after I got the position, but to see me as I was that I was going to continue with that. So if there's any nugget that I can share that I always shared particularly with those um, that I was mentoring in when I was a, a, at the, at HUD or the unit uh, and even you know another position, if there's a position or a, a place that you want to see yourself, you act like you're already there mm. and you you act the role, you work the role, and the role will come. And I always understand it's not man that you're trying to get um, favor from, but it's God. That's good. And through that, through that, I've been quite successful in 
most things that I put my mind to. And now that I'm retired, you know, I, I now a life coach. Um, and using those skill sets that I've learned, um, not only just on the job, but through life to help others to navigate through this maze called life and, and to find their true passion and to work towards that. Sometimes your passion doesn't pay you money, but it gives you a sense of accomplishment. That's good. But, um, I always told people at HUD, I said, this job does not define who I am. I'm here. Not because of the because I need the money because I owe and owe, but because there's a mission for me in any um, any place in life that I find myself. I know I'm there for a purpose. That's good. And it is to help somebody else. So although I was working for the government, I had an invisible sign outside my door, my office door, that said uh, "Doctor in is in the office." <laughs> Because people would just find their way there just to come and talk and seek counsel. Yeah. Not that I not that I I was trying to find that trait, but because they saw something in me that they felt that they could, could could glean some hope from. And that cause of that, I feel that my my calling basically now is to help people find that hope within themselves. That's good. So you, you already answered, essentially, you try to wrap a bow on it, but you're not going to yet because I know you want to get off this phone. I'm going to keep, I'm going to dig more. Um, you already answered the question of what's next, what's next for Linda Thompson. But the last thing I want to ask, uh-huh. the last thing I want to ask, and then I'll let you go. Um, okay. You know, as you matured through your career, through motherhood, through, um, through marriage, uh, et cetera, what... Um, <clears throat> You, you talk about it, kind of all of the good things, right? The things that you're like, man, this has been good. I, this is how I learned to fly. These are the people that have helped me along the way. These are the lessons I've imparted. You know, if, if you, as you look back, right? Because <clears throat> now you're on you know, reflection mode on looking back on all these things. Are there any okay. things that you say that you would do differently in regards to your career, in regards to, you know, the jobs you didn't take? Um, opportunities you you didn't do or things that you did that you're like, ah, I I wish I had not done that. Are there any things that you kind of look back on and say, you know, um, I could have did that differently? Wow. Mm. That's interesting. Um, I would think that um, the one thing that I might have done differently uh, would be to be closer to physically, closer to family. Hmm. Okay, uh, we made we made a conscious decision to you know not to live in either one of our families uh, family, uh, but I think. Um, you know, then looking back, that was a disservice for for my kids. Um, that that uh, and maybe you know they can define if it was a disservice to them or not. But I think that I I would have uh, perhaps been a little bit more deliberate in uh, moving or staying 
closer in proximity to family uh, why, why for that? my children. Okay. I, I think that um, that growing up uh, kind of like a nucleus like we did was was maybe to protect the protect you and your and your sister um, from some of the nuances of family drama mm. uh, that that never goes away, but is there uh, in trying to save you two from that kind of uh, uh, drama. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be negative at all times, but, you know, if we're real with ourselves, you know, no, there's not a, a perfect family right. anywhere, but there can always be family drama. And I, I think that we just did not want you all to, to be exposed to that, but I think that that probably was a life learning um, experience that uh, you you didn't have. Yeah. That um, I think that is why you know you can cling to um, to families that have that kind of connectivity mm. uh, because you didn't have that. You grow. I mean, we did our our best to make sure we were there for family gathering, but like. Like you mentioned earlier, they were several hours away yeah. and far in between. But uh, I think, you know, in hindsight, that uh, if I were to change things in, you know, in the future uh, or in the past, rather, it would have been that, you know, we, we really need to be um, uh, more uh, intentional on being close to the, the family. Interesting. <clears throat> Anything else that you kind of reflect back on as you're, you know, you and dad sit back on the back porch, look at the the garden and your squirrels planting peanuts <laughs> in your garden, things like that. Yeah, um, right. Anything else that you kind of just, <gasps> yeah. No, we we think that we did a good job based on what we had to work with mm -hmm. and, and what we had to offer you to. And, um, and, and it's not just parenting, you know, it's not just parenting. It's just in general. Yeah. But, but, but 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 yeah, in general, uh, because we always take advantage of whatever that area that we lived in had to offer. Uh, we think that we did we did well mm. in our lifetime. Yeah, uh, we we're you know, knocking at seventy years old now, and we're both in in reasonable health, and we still have you know things that we want to do. So. Um, other than, you know, what I shared earlier, we don't have any major regrets. That's um, I don't. I don't have any major regrets because I feel that God is, has ordered our steps over the years. Uh, and, and because of that, you know, we're comfortable. We're, we're uh, you know, still got a few marbles in the head. <laughs> we're physically able to do what we want to do. So, uh, you know, in contrast to, to people that we know that, that uh, we went to school with, we're doing quite well. well it's interesting because I, I, a few days ago, I did a post on Facebook and Instagram that said success is a byproduct of hitting your own goals, not someone else's. And, you know, the way that you, you kind of articulated, said, hey, we, you know, we, we had a goal. We knew we wanted to do from a career path, from a parenting path, et cetera. And we hit that goal, right? We did what we desired to do. We did what we set out to do. And you know, yep, there's some, some ways to be able to reflect and say you're going to do something different. But uh, all in all, you know, that's where you want to be at the at the latter half of your 
of your life is to say, you know, I, I, I did well. And, you know, we, we are where we are. So thank you, mom. Thanks for taking the time today and allowing me to, to pry into your life so much more. <laughs> well, hopefully you know more about me than uh, you can understand me better. But I think you understand me pretty well today. All right. Well, I appreciate you for taking the time. I hope each and every one of you all enjoyed this conversation as well. Um, please make sure you like, share, subscribe, um, follow, pardon me for the Apple folks, follow, uh, and, and, you know, celebrate, uh, for those that are still blessed to have your, your parents around, uh, or, uh, mother figures around, um, you know, I, I would encourage you to just have a, listen to this podcast with them as well, and probably prompt a conversation and just kind of ask some of the similar questions. I think it's a lot that we learn from our parents along the way as we uh, get into adulthood and, and, and mature into the adults that we desire to be and those that are parents that we get to uh, understand motive and, and the way that we've been, uh, been raised a bit better so that we can be um, better who we are. So again, mom, thanks for, for joining and uh, happy mother's day. Uh, Thank you, son. Yep. And so again, yeah, appreciate you. Uh, more ways than you know. Uh, so <laughs> for each and every one of you all, thank you all for listening. Um, uh, and uh, you know what? We'll see you guys after a while. <laughs>